God, it is not often enough sometimes that even in the summer months that we take moments to just hear your still small voice. And here is now we prepare for the second reading of Psalm 139. We ask that you open our souls, our hearts, even our minds, to your leading. And that your Holy Spirit would allow certain words to emerge for each of us that might capture something of focus for us. We ask your blessing on this reading. In Christ's name. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them, They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. You are going to get an assignment today, and I I really am asking you to do this. This is not just some kind of sermon kind of toy. It is to take a selfie, and I don't mean a picture. It is to spend some time in the remainder of the summer to do a couple things. And one is to write your own biography. How seldom we do this partly because many of us grew up in a time where we weren't necessarily supposed to be self-focused. It was all about focusing on others, but I will tell you that unless we do some focus on ourselves, we will not appropriately know how or to whom or what to do 
outwardly for others. And so I'm asking you today to take seriously the assignment that I am asking of you. All of us are on a road, on a journey of faith, a sojourn, if you will, and that's why this visual is here today. Many of us know what lay before this moment in time, this, this side of the road, but many of us don't know what may lay around that next corner, that next curve. But what I'm asking you to do today may help us prepare for some of that. And what I'll do is give you an outline, some helpful hints on how to write a biography. And so let's start. All of us were born with certain DNA. And more and more studies are finding the the depth of DNA, the, the significance of the DNA goes well beyond our hair color or whether or not we even have hair whether we can grow a good beard or even our eye color, even beyond our height or our weight or those kinds of physical attributes or physical things that happen in us, things over which many of us have very little control. More and more studies are finding that DNA or genetic predispositions that come through our DNA now involve things like the way that we deal with anger, or how intelligent we may be, or the kind of capacities we have toward learning. Yeah, there's some things that, that, that kind of determine our athletic abilities or some of those other things, but more and more studies are saying that even attitudes and the way we approach life can come from our DNA. So I'm asking you today, if you were to have this be the first part of your biography, Write about your DNA. Also then, look for that next piece, which is your family history. Beyond DNA, or how tall or short or wide your parents may have been, think about your own family history, how you were reared, the kinds of attitudes that happened in your household. How did your parents argue? How did they resolve conflict? How did they show or not show love to each other? Have that be a part of biography as you look at your parents and even your grandparents. I used the wood for service, and I'm I'm going to turn it around right now, and there's a reason that I chose this piece, is if you can't see it come up afterwards, cedar is known because the bugs don't necessarily bore into it very much. But what happens with the bugs, the carpenter ants and other kinds of bugs like termites, is they get under the bark, and what they form are these, these patterns that are just truly phenomenal and and can be beautiful, but know that they're created by bugs, ants, even worms, termites, and we all have them, friends. They're all in our family history. We all have some some worms and some bugs and some boring kinds of things that create a pattern in each of us. And so as you think about your family history, what are some of those for you? Because those contribute to who you have become today. Every one of us came from a family where we may have had a brother or brothers and sisters. We may have been an only child and 
we somewhere fall into a birth order. Even if you're an only child, that's your birth order. You have the oldest siblings. You have the youngest. And you have that proverbial challenging group. The middle children. And that too contributes to who we are. Contributes to our own history and our own role in the family. And what's so interesting in looking at some of the studies around alcoholism and drug abuse in families is that those things even create more dramatic roles in some families. But you played a role in your family. Everyone does. So the question to me is, as you write your biography, what was your role in the family? And how has that contributed to you, who you have become today? More and more studies are finding also that there are other factors that come into play. Things like the friendships that we form in our lives. And so as you write about your early friendships like middle school and and high school, what kind of friends did you choose? Or did you just allow friends to choose you? And as you have grown into adulthood, think about those friendships. Are you one of those folks for whom you have one or two very close friends? And that's the extent of your friendship. Or are you one of those folks who just have tons of friends? with whom you share. I I think of, Jim, I can't remember if it's you and Don or who's doing the backpacking trip. That's a level of friendship and patience and encouragement that is is just incredibly deep as you go into the backcountry together. And there has to be a level of trust in that 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 is so significant. And I just think about that and I'm praying for you as you head out and I'm praying for your spouses and I've heard back from some kind of peripheral folks that, you know, there's some question about whether or not you should be doing this. <laughs> well, I want to be your pastor for a second and say, go for it. <laughs> Dare greatly, buddy. But those are defining elements in us. Even hobbies are outgrowths of who we are. So as you look at your biography, what are those kinds of hobbies that you engage in? Or do you? Because that's also defining. Think about that piece of your biography. That piece. I've talked to you before, because this is the next piece. I've talked to you before about my mom, and that she was able to look back over some of her history of generations and the abuse that became such a prominent part of their lives. And it was horrendous, horrific abuse. And she made a decision with the first pregnancy with my older brother that she was going to stop that cycle. Absolutely going to stop that cycle. And she did. She did. She believes, as I think all of us do, that there are opportunities for us to transform, to shift to change, to become something more than what our patterns kind of create in us. And she did. 
We come to church, I think, partly because we are social beings and partly because we want to know more and partly because this is where relationships are and partly we're continuing to write our biographies and this place is a place that helps us do that. My hope is it doesn't stop there because the other piece of the biography as we come into relationship with Christ is that Christ helps us continue to rewrite our own biographies. There is a power greater than all of us that I I hope at this point that we all believe in that is a transformative power, a power that can help us go deeper, help us see more clearly, help us understand. And this psalm is so beautiful in in the way that it describes that power. Notice that there is nothing judgmental per se in that psalm. It is like the best kind of parent or the best kind of grandparent or even the best kind of friend when it says, you search me and you know me, O God. You knew me before. You knew me at the very beginnings of the creation of this journey, the beginnings of the creation of this road. You knew me before I was even knit in my mother's womb. You knew me. And even in the darkest places of my life, you are there with me. And the word light in this scripture also means warmth, love, grace. Even in the darkest places, you are there with me. Bringing me light because darkness is light to you. What creates immense power in our lives is the realization that no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter who we are, no matter how we perceive ourselves, that God is there with us, seeking to love us. So the last chapter of the biography, before we move into the, well, the second to the last chapter of the biography, is also, what are you saying to yourself about yourself? Again, more and more studies are talking about the power of self-talk. When you looked in the mirror this morning, what did you say about yourself? When you see the way that life is unfolding, what do you say about yourself? And I will tell you, more often than not, the folks that end up in my office are those who are struggling with that whole understanding of self-image and self-talk. And often the self-talk is not healthy. It's not positive. And so we work together to try and shift that. And I'm sure the same is for Laura in her office and other counselors in their offices. That part of what we try and do is help shift that self-talk to become healthy. So I would ask that you write in that biography, what are you saying to yourself? And then what might God be saying to you? Knowing that you are a beloved child who is searched and known by a God who truly loves you. So that's the biography. But then there's the next chapter. And the next chapter is, deals with what's right around that corner, right there, right around the corner. 
no matter how old we are, no matter how young we are, no matter where we are in our lives, we have an influence over what happens around the next corner. And so the next chapter that I'm asking you to write is, what am I becoming? What are my hopes for me? What am I becoming? What's next for me? Because it's out of that that the next turn will be defined. When Jim and Don head up to the mountains and they make a turn, no matter how long or how often they've been on that trail, there are always going to be new things. There are always unexpected things in a backpacking trip. Always. And it's what makes it such a great adventure. The same can be said of life. But it's how you cope with those things. How you come to understand those things. How you frame those things. That becomes more powerful. And so here's the third piece. Writing the biography. That next chapter of what am I becoming? What do I want to become? Maybe a better way to put it. The final thing is to once that's written, and I don't care if it's a paragraph or 200 pages, the final piece of it is to then share it with someone else. What creates a church to become a church is when we share our stories. That's what creates a church when we're able to share our stories, even at that kind of level of being searched and known. Because it is in that, that as we face whatever is around that next corner, we know that we have folks to whom we can turn. That we are journeying together around that next corner, no matter what that next corner may be. We know that there are folks with whom we've shared our story, who are willing to walk that corner with us. You searched me and you know me, O God. You were there for me at every point in my life. So let me close with this thought. So much of this will depend on how you view God. I just want you to know that I view God as this loving, compassionate, grace-filled, grace-filled power that seeks to move in and through us at every moment of life. No matter how wormy or buggy we may be, no matter how hard, there's a branch right here, Rich. I did that intentionally for you how hard we may be at certain points in our lives, God can soften that or use that no matter what. The reason that I ask everybody to do this beyond just being an activity is this is part of our story. Whether it's the Pokemon character or the heart of Harry or the wadded up piece of paper this is a part of our story. This is our, these are identifying things of who we are. And it took risk in order to share those. And every single person who came up 
even through spokespersons at the retreat, had them share about every one of these pieces of paper. The fact that Piper, who was fairly new to the church, knew that they were going to be gone, and she decided that she wanted to dare greatly and create something that was going to go into whatever it is we're going to create out of the cedar. And she risked in doing this. And if you can't see it, up on the top right here is a peace sign. Gotta love that. And then you have those who do this. Not all of us can do this. But all of us can share a part of who we are. And here's the final deal. No matter whether you can do this or this or this or this or Piper's Cross, we are all knit together in this. We all become a tapestry of God. All of us. And as we close the retreat... I used a climbing rope and it went all the way around the circle and by the way you were included in the climbing rope because we had extra at the end and we prayed for you who were not at the retreat that you would be also with us. Everybody got this little representative carabiner. Everybody and most people tied it into a belt loop or someplace else on their person And as the rope came around and they clipped on, they said, on belay. And you saw in the video the climbing wall last week and that we're all on belay. But what's amazing also, I had them all look at this rope carefully. The rope is interwoven with probably a thousand threads. And it's the weaving together that makes it so strong. And so, friends, we're on belay together. We're on belay together. Knitted together as this beautiful tapestry. But to truly be that powerful, we have to be willing to dare greatly in the sharing of ourselves. Are you willing to dare greatly in the sharing of yourselves? Will you pray with me? Bless you. God, as we gather in this place on this beautiful summer day, we know that we are knit together. Each of us coming together with certain wormholes and bugginess and hardness and softness and beauty and self-perceptions that are sometimes not so beautiful. God, but help us understand that we can bring it all right here in a loving, trusting, grace-filled place where we really are on belay together. Help us to be searched and known by you, which means we have to take actions in prayer and meditation and study so that we are filled with that power that is you. Healed often by that power that is you. And living in a place where we can share our stories 
together. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this family, this community. Help us be on belay together. All this we ask in Christ's name.